1: We refuse to let hatred in. We rise up. We won't back down. We're in this till the end. We resist. We refuse to let hatred in. We rise up. We won't back down. We're in this till the end. We resist. We refuse to let. Welcome the stranger. Show love to your neighbor. We're in this till the end. Pray for your enemies. Welcome the stranger.
0: Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings along with a scripture reading and a message.
2: A reading from Exodus. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They've been so quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it, and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on His people the disaster He had threatened.
0: series today on the platform pieces of the Movement for Black Lives. Today's platform piece is Respect Protesters. And you know I remember just before the Occupy movement began in 2011 I was in a doctoral seminar at UC Berkeley and our professor began class by asking, is the time for protest as a vehicle for social change over? The question itself was a bold one. Asked on the campus that is equated in the minds of many with the tumultuous protests of the 60s and the power of the people to unite for change. I know some of you watching were personally a part of those days. The responses at that time in our class were mixed, some saying that protesters often make more enemies than allies with the methods that they choose to employ and others saying, no, protest still has a role. But then within the next few days, we began to hear reports of protests uh, related to the Occupy Wall Street movement spreading all over the country. Occupy San Francisco, Occupy L.A., Occupy Louisville. There was this condemnation of Wall Street and the bailout and the capitalism that fails to deliver care and equality for all. There were calls for affordable health care, jobs that pay a living wage, and a charge that a society that allows persons to have extreme amounts of wealth while others suffer is an immoral society. These protests and the ones that followed were against the idolatry of money and wealth, against the idolatry of a status quo that values one race or way of being over another, and ultimately a message to those who use dominating power that this will no longer be tolerated. It would be easy to draw a comparison between the golden calf in today's scripture and the huge charging bull that sits in the middle of the Wall Street area. It would follow naturally to preach a sermon about the insidiousness of greed and covetousness and the importance of not putting possessions over people. But I think you've heard that message before and based on the generosity I've witnessed from this congregation The lessons from such a sermon are already well known. The truth is we've gone quickly from a time when a Berkeley professor could wonder aloud if protest was dead to living through a significant resurgence in the widespread acts of protest. In fact, the New York Times has called the current Black Lives Matter movement possibly the largest in history. And so I'd like to focus today more on the act of protest itself, what it means and what it does and doesn't do, and how it relates to the life of faithfulness for a Christian. What does protest mean for our relationships with God and with each other? The Movement for Black Lives has updated its 2016 platform with two rapid response planks for this moment. One of them is respect protesters, stating, we demand that the rights of protesters be respected and protected and that there be no abuse of powers. Violations of property should never be equated with the violation of human life. We demand no use of lethal force. In our scripture for today from Exodus, When the Israelites created the golden calf, Moses had been gone 40 days and 40 nights, signifying, of course, not a literal count of 40, but utilizing the well-known biblical metaphor for a long time. Their leader has left them without instruction or communication, and the people are beginning to get anxious God has done miraculous things. God has led them out of Egypt and led them through the Red Sea, and they've entered the wilderness. God has rained manna when they were hungry, rained this bread from heaven, and and God has done other miraculous things, such as bringing forth water from a, a rock when they were thirsty. And Moses has been their leader through all of that. But now Moses has been gone for a long time. And in this long absence of Moses, the people wonder if God is absent too. They feel alone and abandoned and unprotected. In a way, they have good reason to worry. As Moses leaves, God has descended on Mount Sinai in the form of fire and lightning and thunder and God instructs Moses that the people must not try to come up onto the mountain while, while God is working with Moses. And so Moses tells the people that they must stay alone in the desert while the mountain shakes and smokes. Then Moses ascends the holy mountain and God proceeds to transmit the primary laws of Judaism. This takes a long time. And meanwhile, the only thing that the people back in the desert see is a mountain that looks like it's about to explode. And all they hear are constant, loud crashes. The people's response must be understood in the context of the feelings out of which it arose. Feelings of dissatisfaction with a relationship with a God who would keep them in a distant and precarious place and who would present to them only in a way that felt unsettling and at best at best and probably for some including many children it felt just plain scary. And so the people's response could be understood as a protest against their experience of an absent and insensitive god. In creating the golden calf the people were demanding a god who was among them present and known, caring about and responding to their needs. Now maybe we would say, well, God, of course, was present to them, but they had not comprehended that yet. They didn't know that that was true. And they're calling for a God who shows up in a way that was comprehensible to them. They are demanding a new kind of mutual and just relationship. In its most basic sense, protest is communication. It is communication that something isn't right, that something needs to change, and it always assumes a relationship. A dysfunctional and broken relationship, perhaps, but if those who protest aren't actually talking to someone, then protest is only noise, and there will be no lasting impact It arises out of pain, but it also arises out of hope. And so what we hear in the scripture from Exodus are the voices of people communicating with God, saying, Are you with us or not? Can we count on you? Do you even care that we may die here? And in this communication, this sa- the shaking of the foundations, the newly freed Israelites begin to engage with God in a new way. Now, I do not in any way wish to equate the targets of the Occupy Wall Street protests or the cry against the racism rampant and policing in this country with God. The targets of the protests of this decade have hoarded and furthered inequality and suffering, perpetuated white supremacy and violence, and in multiple documented cases have acted unjustly. I believe that God is just and merciful and loving. In liberating the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, God demonstrates not only that God desires liberation for God's people, but also that God desires relationship with us. I am the Lord your God, God says over and over again. Protest is the act of a people who know that they are inherently free and desire true freedom and justice and relationship Even when the action of God feels incomprehensible to us, or we feel God's absence, what scripture today is saying to us is that it is in these times we must turn toward God with our protest against a harmful status quo, even if it is our impulse to turn away in our hurt and in our suffering. The goal of protest is, of course, change. But the protest is really just the first step in what is usually a very long process. If you've ever been in a protest or a demonstration, you know that standing with hundreds or thousands of other passionate people calling for justice, though though sometimes it can be frightening like when police are in full riot gear, is also empowering as we take responsibility for our part in the relationship. And then Hopefully those at whom the protest is directed hear the call for a new kind of relationship and recognize change is needed. And so begins the often tedious work of negotiation, of planning, of a step forward and sometimes a step back. Change can begin with protest and sometimes it is the critical move that opens the process. But change isn't ever fully accomplished by protest either. To me, the truly problematic part of our text this morning isn't that the people built the golden calf. It's that reportedly God was so angry about their action that God wanted to kill all of the Israelites except Moses. God says to Moses, I have seen these people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And of you... Moses, I will make a great nation. But Moses also engages in protests here, saying, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that God brought them out? Turn from your fierce mind and do not bring disaster on your people. And the scripture tells us that God changed God's mind about the disaster that God had planned to bring upon God's people. Some translations have it in even starker terms, saying God repented of the evil God had planned for God's people. What we are faced with here is even a God who needed the voice of protest to see and understand what mutual and just relationship meant. Perhaps this was a time that the seeds of the coming incarnation were planted. Though Jesus was was with God and was God from the beginning, as the first verse of the Gospel of John tells us, there was a layer of understanding and redemption necessary but not possible until God became one of us. And so in this case, the people protested. God's perceived insensitivity. God responded insensitively. Moses intervened and communicated a new vision of relationship between God and God's people. God responded, and the relationship changed. Now, I fully recognize that it is is hard for some of us here to believe that God changes. After all, we sing immortal, invisible, God-only wise, in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes. We blossom and flourish like leaves on a tree. We wither and perish, but not changeth changes thee. But I believe God does change, and there is support for this belief throughout Scripture. Or maybe it isn't so much that God changes, but rather that our relationship with God changes. And in that, we are certainly changed. What we see throughout the sweep of biblical history is an ongoing pattern of God being willing to engage with us, to hear us, and in that interaction, our relationship changes. Remember Abraham's negotiation with God to reconsider reconsider the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, first asking God to spare the city for 50 righteous men, then negotiating down to 10? And who could forget the, the scripture of the Syrophoenician woman who asked Jesus to help her daughter and was at first told that it is not right to take the food from the chosen ones and give it to those outside the circle? But in her persistence, The woman opened Jesus' eyes and received healing for her daughter. The pattern in Scripture is of God's drawing nearer and nearer to us, demonstrating more and more clearly God's desire for relationship with us, culminating in the incarnation of God as one of us. And in that incarnation, we see God's willingness to endure whatever we endure, suffer whatever we suffer, Finally, we see God's desire to struggle in community with us for our redeemed reality as the resurrected body of Christ. What an amazing witness of God's desire for relationship and justice for us and with us. Throughout all of history, as we yearn in our insecurity and our inadequacy more and more for a closer relationship with God, and as we keep calling out, God keeps responding and the relationship keeps changing. So our relationship with each other and our relationship with God can move towards more wholeness, but without one person or many changing the way we act by standing up and demanding a new reality, there is no change. Protest can be the first step in that process of change because whether or not you accept that God changes, there is no question that in our own call for justice and in our own acting for community and in community, we are changed. As we issue that call for mutual and just relationship, we ourselves become more able to be more fully human in the most sacred of all relationships. The racism and white supremacy that has dominated life in this country since its inception must change. The movement for black lives has become the largest protest movement in history because of the pain and urgency of this reality, and it can no longer be ignored. The good news in today's scripture is that God is in that change with us, pulling us always toward wholeness. Sometimes God is manifest in thunder and lightning, like on Mount Sinai, and sometimes God is manifest through a voice in the community calling for change in the streets or at a community meeting. The road to change is long, and the energizing times of protest soon give way to the more daily work of dismantling structures that diminish and oppress. The good news for us this morning is that we are part of a community that surrounds us in our endeavors and sustains us in times of discouragement and disillusionment as we live into the freedom that God wills for us. The justice, liberation and wholeness we desire and deserve will come when we raise our voices to call for the protection of protesters and when we ourselves exercise our sacred duty to protest until heaven on earth is realized, amen. In the
3: desert on God's mountain, Moses saw the bush aflame, wondered at the fiery foliage, heard the crackling call, Name, may we notice bushes burning, may we wonder at the flame. On Mount Horeb Moses halted, stood unshod on holy ground felt the pulsing of God's presence since the holiness around. May we stop a midlife's labor. May we burn our voice, Moses felt the message steering to the heart of will and choice. May we pause to answer summons, may we hear God's burning. Hid his face in terror, offered his objections for doubt of worth and doubt of talent, lack of trust and lack of love. May we set aside excuses, may we take the task before. Later in the wild of Sinai, from another mountain height, bringing promise to his people, Moses shone with God's own love. Consumed yet burning, all to the mountain height. Far from deserts, far from mountains, yearns upon a
0: Backslash connect. Have a great week. We
1: are, marching in, we are marching, marching in the light of God. We are marching in the light of God. We are marching in the light of God. We are marching in the light of God. Light of God. We are marching, marching, we are marching, oh, we, we are marching, marching in the